X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Tuesday, January 12th, the 200th episode of The Local. We started this experiment back on March 23rd. Our first guest was Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. We discussed the new shelter at home order. Since then, we've spoken with 200 newsmakers. We brought you candidates, elected officials, journalists, nonprofit leaders, experts on and from our community. We hope we brought you something special, a program that anchors the day, that gives you some inspiration, some information, some chances to show up for the community. There's a small, intrepid team who brings the local each day together and loves this place. And we love democracy. Thanks for your support. And thanks for being a person who cares about our community and likes to know what's going on in it. X-Ray. Today, back in the day, January 12, 1919, the Oregonian newspaper published a full-page spread urging people to wear masks to prevent the spread of the Spanish flu. Two images of a man wearing a cloth mask with a headline, Wear a Mask, extended over half the front page while the other half provided guidelines for preventing the spread of the influenza. The pandemic driven by the deadly H1N1 virus lasts from February 1918 to April 1920, killed 50 million people. So let's remember those words from just about 100 years ago. Wear a mask and stay back. Today, back in the day, January 12, 1932, Hattie Carraway became the first woman to be elected to the United States Senate. A Democrat from Arkansas, Carraway joined the Senate when her husband Thaddeus died. Widows temporarily filled their husbands' positions at the time. She surprised the country, though, when she decided to run for a full term. Her quote with the reporters, The time has passed when women should be placed in a position and kept there only while someone else is being groomed for the job. She won that election, and she was seated in the United States Senate. She won with the help of fellow Senator Huey Long of neighboring Louisiana. Today, back in the day, January 12, 2010, a record-breaking earthquake hit Haiti resulting in the death of roughly 300,000 people. Another 1.5 million people left homeless following the magnitude 7.0 earthquake. There are at least 52 aftershocks, measuring at 4.5 on the Richter scale. In 2017, the U.N. reported that 2.5 million Haitians were still in need of support following that disaster. Today, we'll have an update on Portland City Council happenings, also an interview with the newly appointed Portland Charter Commissioners. X-Ray. First up, it is time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. An Oregon man shot several rounds of the Marco Hatfield Federal Courthouse in Portland. Cody Melby was arrested and charged for firing that gun at the Federal Courthouse around 7.30 p.m. on Friday. Security guards saw Melby jump over the fence and begin firing the gun. They confronted him. He was arrested without further incident. He claimed he was there because he was standing up for police. He had a YouTube channel that featured content to stop the steal, among other QAnon conspiracy theories. FBI has reported plans for armed protests in every state capital in the country. Melby was recently arrested for trespassing while in possession of a handgun during the unlawful assembly at the Oregon State Capitol January 6th. He'd been deployed five times to active combat zones in the Middle East, has a documented history of dealing with mental health issues. He's currently being held in Multnomah County Jail. And now your daily dose of data. The Oregon Health Authority reported 939 new cases of COVID-19 and 10 new deaths yesterday. This brings the death toll to 1,613. The total number of cases for the state has reached 126,607. The state administered 7,585 new doses of the COVID-19 vaccine Sunday, bringing the total number of vaccinations to 104,595. 
There have been 270,800 doses of the vaccine delivered to sites throughout the state. The number of ICU patients has remained the same since Sunday. Graffiti has targeted two branches of Portland's eatery Shalom Yall. Shalom Yall has two branches. They serve Israeli-inspired cuisine in Portland. Sunday night, both locations were sprayed with graffiti and outdoor tables were thrown around. Yuppie scum and on your hands, among other expletives, are written in red paint. The restaurants are owned by Sesame Collective, a restaurant group that owns four restaurants. A co-owner in the collective, Jamal Hassan, is Palestinian. They released a statement, and they are quoting, incredibly disheartened by the actions. They thank the outpouring support and encourage any donations to be shifted to Oregon Coalition Against Hate Crimes. Heightened security in Olympia as Washington legislature convenes Monday. Monday began Washington State's 2021 legislative session. This is also the only day that legislators are scheduled to be at the Capitol in person. Governor Jay Inslee authorized 750 members of the National Guard to deploy to the Capitol for added security. A crowd of roughly 25 right-wing demonstrators crowded near the newly erected fence. National Guard were shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with local police and were heckled by the demonstrators. A few arrests were made, but ultimately the Washington State Patrol and National Guard called it a quiet day. The Health Authority estimates 90% of adult Oregonians will need to get a COVID-19 vaccine or get the virus itself for the pandemic to end. Herd immunity is the point at which people with protection against the disease is so large that the spread of the virus is slowed within the community and basically eliminated. To get there, the Oregon Health Authority has calculated that 90% of the state's adults will need to get the virus or get the vaccine. A challenge here is that neither the Moderna nor the Pfizer vaccines are approved for children under 16. OHA hoped to reach the goal of 70% immunity with 90% of the adults getting vaccinated. In a U of O survey last month, nearly a quarter of Oregonians said they wouldn't get the vaccine. If that level of skepticism holds, the only way the pandemic would end is if enough people contract the virus and recover, or worse. Dr. Paul Cislack, the medical director for communicable diseases and immunizations at the Oregon Health Authority, said, and I am quoting, we can substantially relieve the burden on our healthcare system if we vaccinate the most vulnerable, the elderly and those with underlying conditions. And a report finds conditions improved for mentally ill prisoners in Oregon's maximum security prison. Disability Rights Oregon, a federally funded watchdog group, finds inmates are being less isolated and treated more humanely. The results are from a five-year study that followed a damning report examining the conditions of the Oregon State Penitentiary inmates that were experiencing severe mental illness. The new study found that the roughly 50 inmates in the Behavioral Health Unit, or BHU, got better treatment from more highly trained staff, experienced less abuse from corrections officers, were more likely to transfer to the general population, and most importantly, were less isolated. The initial report found horrifying conditions in the BHU. Self-harm had become the reasonable and accepted way to receive attention from the mental health staff. Inmates were often brutalized by extraction teams and confined to windowless cells for more than 23 hours per day. Now, after the so-called significant improvements, inmates are allowed out of their cells for three hours a day. Disability Rights Oregon Executive Director Jake Cornett applauded the improvements, but noted that, quote, more must be done to keep people with mental illness out of the criminal justice system in the first place. Over half of the 13,000 inmates 
suffer from some form of mental illness. And that's today's today's Quick quick 6 Local local Rundown. X-Ray. Episode 200 feels like a good time to start something fresh, don't you think? We have a new segment. Each week, we will bring you a distilled overview of Portland City Council happenings. And here is your first installment. This is your weekly City Council update. All right, listeners. This is the inaugural City Council update here on X-Ray FM, where we will summarize the goings-ons at Portland City Council. On January 6th, Council met for their first sessions of the calendar year. This meeting included the first amendments for new commissioners Mingus Maps and Carmen Rubio. Maps, the winner of the November runoff against incumbent Chloe Udaly, will oversee the Portland Water Bureau and the Bureau of Environmental Services. Rubio, the former director of the Latino Network, has taken over for retiring commissioner Amanda Fritz. She will oversee the Bureau of Planning and Sustainability and the Office of Community Technology. Amongst the amendments passed during the AM session that Wednesday, the controversial funding plan for the historically black northeast interstate area passed. The amendment, of course, references the displacement of black Portlanders in the 70s due to the expansion of the Emanuel Health Center. The City Council voted unanimously to increase funding for the affordable housing and community development in the area to $67 million. Preference will go towards the families who were previously displaced in the area. Controversy came as members spoke out against the use of the money, claiming this effort is coming far too late and that financial restitution for those displaced would be a more appropriate use of the funds. As commissioners cast their votes, they included that this is only the beginning of the conversation surrounding racial equity in Portland. Commissioner Hardesty also alluded to work she is doing to get reparations for black Americans. During the same session, council also passed retired commissioner Amanda Fritz's swan song ordinance, which allowed increased access to family planning benefits for city employees. The existing plan restricted benefits for those seeking alternative routes to parenthood, such as adoption, surrogacy, and fertility treatments. As a result, benefits are often restrictive for LGBTQ city employees. The new ordinance allows benefit-eligible employees to seek third-party care, which will result in increased access to comprehensive and inclusive providers. Additionally, Council passed funding for the Gateway Green Access Road, which provides clear vehicle access to the Gateway Green Park in Northeast Portland. Later during the PM session, Council shared statements decrying the violence that occurred at the Capitol that day and went on to to accept the City of Portland 2021 legislative agenda. Stay tuned for more coverage on the 2021 legislative agenda here on X-Ray FM. And that's it for your weekly City Council update. City Council virtual meetings and agendas can be accessed at portlandoregon.gov forward slash auditor forward slash 26997. X-Ray. When we launched the local, we were faced with COVID stay-at-home orders and an important election primary with exciting competitive races locally and nationally. Remember choosing between 18 candidates to fill the city council position held by Nick Fish? 
Well, as we look forward at our coverage, you can count on the local to provide ongoing updates on the Charter Review for the City of Portland. The Charter Review provides opportunities to change our governing structure. This is big, folks. I mean, are we ready to give a mayor different authority? Do we want city council to be geographically elected? These are some of the questions that will be tackled in this next Charter Review. And for our next segment, we'll be hearing from two of Portland's new city charter commissioners, Salame Chamuku and Vada Mozirski, along with Julia Meyer, who is staffing the charter review process as strategic projects manager for the city. They'll be talking with Jefferson Smith about Portland's 2021 charter review and the feedback they've heard so far from the community. Here are Salame, Vadim, Julia, and Jefferson. This is a miracle of modern communications technology. Big shout out to Carly Quadros for setting it up. And a big shout out to our next guests. It looks like we've got Salome Chmuku. It looks like we've got Vadim Mozerski. And it looks like we might also have Julia Meyer joining us this morning. The topic is our initial topic, our initial conversation. It'll just be a warm up for later conversations, I hope, on the review of the Portland Charter Commission which is sort of our constitutional document, sort of, for the city. Salome, let's start with you. Explain the commission review process and why it's important. So the process happens every 10 years. The reason why it's important is because the Portland Charter, unlike other city charters, is really the constitution of the city. And so anything that we would like to see changed in Portland or addressed in Portland that we think is fundamental is likely in the um, within the charter. And it is a, I guess once every decade, uh, technically speaking, chance to really visit that, change that, revise that, look at it, review it, and see what we like, what we don't like, and what we would like to change. And so things from voting access to how we vote to our structure of government is included in the charter. So this is definitely something worth paying attention to and being engaged in. Bottom, you're also joining us, also participating in the commission. How is this similar and how is it different from previous charter commission reviews? Well, I think City Council did a great job this time or two of uh, have a very diverse set of uh, uh, charter commissioners. And uh, we're bringing together a lot of people from different backgrounds, different experiences, uh, people who have been working in Portland for a long time to bring different voices to the forefront. And I think right now um, is a time exactly when we need to hear this. There's a lot of strife around the country, a lot of strife in Portland to elevate voices and make sure everyone's heard. And I think that this is an example of, of that happening in Portland. And Salome, what are your biggest, as I think about this conversation, it's going to be a brief one to start. What we're hoping to do is give people sort of a teaser of the discussions you are going to be having and really appreciate you spending this time so people can be engaged. This isn't just something that happens in a room somewhere, but there's a discussion with the people of Portland informed by the best wisdom that can be gathered. What are some of the items that you are anticipating coming up that people should be paying attention to? Um, so some of the items that I think that we're definitely going to talk about because people have already been uh, direct messaging me in my inbox talking about it are um, our system of voting um, in, ter in terms of like, you know, 
the current way of doing things versus star voting or ranked choice voting. Um, another thing that I anticipate we're going to talk about is the number of city council seats. Um, another thing we're going to be talking about is how they're elected. But, um, currently, it's at large, but I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about who gets to draw those lines, what that's going to look like. And then some other things in regards to access and accessibility due to um, our lack thereof response of COVID-19 and making sure that we're not in the same position um, if something like this is to happen again. So those are some things I anticipate that we're going to be discussing. And so what I heard you say, some of the big, big stuff is about the process, is about the system of government within the city of Portland, which has been a subject of discussion for a long time. And now this might even feel like the very first time that there has been a charter commission uh, review process that's almost built around the idea of considering changes. And those changes could range from having districts to getting rid of the commission former government to having to empowering a central uh, a central uh, bureau leader as kind of a city manager to potentially a strong mayor to potentially dividing up districts and having uh, and having more a different number of city councilors to maybe having multi-member districts uh, to maybe having a different system of voting for instance ranked choice or star voting all of those discussions heard you saying thank you for teasing that for us i think we're also joined by julia meyer julia meyer who is the uh, who is the staffer for this longtime uh, friend of X-Ray and other shows and marvelous service in our community, both with City Club and with Coalition for the Community uh, for Community Color. Thank you so much, Julie, for being here. What are you uh, what are you hoping or expecting? Actually, I see your thing is on mute. So maybe you're maybe you're only here to listen, but would love to hear from you if you're if you're uh, vocal. No, yeah, I was here to listen, but I'm I'm <laughs> okay. I'm happy to to jump in and and thank you to to Jeff and the X-ray for having this conversation. Um, you know, I I think what folks have been talking about is right on. You know, the the big questions around form of government um, and elections and voting uh, are central to this charter review process. However, you know, we also had. Um, about 300 Portlanders who applied to serve on the Charter Commission, which is more folks who have applied to serve on a public advisory body for the city maybe ever. Um, and, you know, it's an, it was interesting to read through those applications and hear what Portlanders care about. And absolutely, uh, there was a conversation around our form of government. There was also many Portlanders who talked about issues that matter to them and wondered whether charter review and reform could help address that issue, right? So whether that is climate or health or water or police accountability or education, right? So I do think that um, it's early in the process and we don't need to limit ourselves to the possibility of what this group might consider. That is hugely helpful. And let me jump you jump back in with you and feel free to pass it off to somebody else. But that was going to be a question is how broad might the scope of work be and how does that get decided? Does the Charter Review Commission itself decide, hey, what are what do we think should go in a constitution? Is it going to be a more narrow constitution like the U.S. Constitution or an extraordinarily broad constitution like the Oregon Constitution, which is almost just like a set of statutes? Uh, Adam, how do you understand it at this point? So I, I think it's going to be um, very inclusive. Uh, you know, we all come to the table with our own backgrounds, but I think all of us also want to hear from the community. 
Um, I'm sure we'll hear from individual city council members as to what they feel is important, but also we'll hold public sessions and, and speak with the community. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Richard Feynman, um, said the first principle is that you must not fool yourself and you're the easiest person to fool. So I think the best way to kind of get a gauge of where you're coming from and what needs to happen is to listen to others and learn from the wisdom of others. And I look forward to hearing from the community as to what they want. Salme, any other topic you're expecting or maybe even hoping comes up and gets included in addition to some of the fundamental process discussions? Well, I've been hearing a lot recently about disability rights, uh, people reaching out saying that uh, the disability community is not represented well and how to get that addressed. Um, hard to say if that's in a ch- uh, charter uh, commission format, but that's certainly uh, something that's at the top of a lot of people's minds. You know, when you look at the uh, Demographics of Portland, uh, something like 13 to 50% identify with a disability. Um, and um, they're, they're saying that they're not being heard. And that's certainly an aspect that needs to be addressed. So my last question to you, any closing words for you? I hope not closing, I hope introductory words from you to help frame this discussion or anything else you want to make sure people understand as you engage in these discussions. I think that the one thing that I really want people to understand is that unlike previous years, this Charter Commission is really striving from day one to be as transparent and accessible as possible. So I really encourage folks to reach out to each of the Charter members individually and try to talk to them about what you'd like to see. Like Julia said earlier, there were over 300 people that applied. That means there's 300 people that have their own opinions about what they would like to see happen, if not more. And so I'd encourage all those people to really take this time especially with COVID and things having to be virtual, to really capitalize on the accessibility of these charter commissioners and talk to them about what they would like to see happen. I should ask, and Salme, this might be for you, you might pass it to Julia, what is our timeline here? When do y'all start and stop meeting? When? What is the time frame that people have to be able to communicate with you? So we're appointed for two whole years. And so the timeline to start is, you know, now until two years from now, people have already started, like I said, emailing me, inboxing me through social media and such. And I would say that we have not scheduled our first meeting quite yet because the commission itself makes a lot of its own rules about how it wants to govern itself. But I would say that there's no time like the present. There is a public email up and for folks to reach out to us as well as, you know, finding us through social media. And so I'm really confident that Portlanders will utilize that and really make their voices known it's a constitutional convention here called charter review here in portland thank you so much to julia salome and adam for spending the time with us this morning appreciate you very much thank you very much jeff thanks thank you for having us Thanks to Salome, Vadim, and Julia for joining The Local, and thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in about 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing and giving your five-star review. Thank you, democracy. <laughs>